residential lighting specialist to arc residential Welcome to Residential Tech Talks. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, Executive Editor of Residential Tech Today. In this episode, I'm joined by Amanda Wildman, co-owner of True Media, a custom integration firm located in Ada, Michigan. Amanda and her husband, Ponch, founded their company in 2003, but Amanda might be the more industry famous of the two of them, thanks to her passionate dedication to the CEDIA Certification Commission and her role on the board of directors over the past year. If you've attended a CDO, CDO Expo in pre-COVID years, you probably saw her smiling face in a video loop of I am CEDIA testimonials. She's such a star that right before this interview, she moderated a virtual panel discussion with three other leaders in the industry. And I wanted to cover some of the topics that they talked about there, learn more about her background in tech, and find out what she can tell us about the newest CEDIA certification exam. Amanda, Happy New Year, and thanks for joining me. Thank you so much, Jeremy. I'm super excited to be here. And you gave a, a phenomenal glowing review that I am probably not worthy of at all. <laughs> um, I just like to smile, and I haven't met a stranger yet. So Very hopefully good. when we can go back to virtual, or not virtual events, but in-person events, um, I will get to meet a lot more of the people that I've seen and met on virtual now. Well, you know, uh, you do have that kind of personality. And when we first crossed paths, I believe it was at the uh, San Antonio um, CDA Business Exchange several mm -hmm. years ago now. It seems like just yesterday, but um, you were, that was actually where you did your interview, I believe, for the, the promotional campaign, the um, I am CDA, because I, I saw things in the background that were familiar there. But um, I'd been around the industry for a while and I was at that event and I thought that's a new face that I don't know. And I wondered if you had been around doing other stuff before then, or if that was kind of your coming out party, so to speak, because <laughs> suddenly it seemed like you're everywhere. <laughs> yeah, well, um, no, you know, a lot of really good um, encouragers, I think, in this industry. Um, yeah. And I've been in the industry with my husband since 2003, as you alluded to, but we do, uh, we did come from a little bit different path. Our background is actually in satellite. Um, so it, it's always fun to me because if you recognize me and then punch my husband as Amanda's husband, then we've met you through the CDA world. And if you meet me and you say that I'm Poncha's wife, you've met me from the satellite world. So that okay. was an interesting dynamic because he was much more known in the satellite world than I was. And then when we came into the CI channel, um, the script was kind of flipped and I became maybe a little bit more the outgoing kind of like face of our company. So, right. um, but yeah, we had Frank, Frank White was really, really great about getting me involved in that. Okay. Jamie Breesmeister, mm -hmm. Patrick Hartman mm -hmm. um, were phenomenal. I think you just had Jamie on yes. uh, not too long ago. And they were just really great about getting me involved. I'd been involved in CDA just a little bit before that um, event, but they were like, hey, come on, join us and brought me into the fold. Yeah, I mean, you were up there uh, at a whiteboard or something directing a, a conversation. Talking about Sundays, Jeremy, of all things. I Who goes to a CDA event and talks about food? Apparently Amanda does. Um, <laughs> but you have a really good memory because you did remember that from the IMCDA. And um, yeah, just talking about how, you know, we, we have all these different layers and all these different parts hmm. um, about who we are as integrators and what makes us great. And um, 
I, I said at that time, and I will stand behind it, is that CDN, my CDA family is the cherry on top of um, what my career is. And I don't look at this as just, you know, an industry group anymore. You guys are really a lot like my family. A lot of you, you've been my cheerleader, bringing me up, encouraging me, helping teach me um, and become really good friends. So. Well, you know, I, I, I've, I've witnessed that those who embrace Cedia as an organization, and I think it's so important and it takes a lot of heat for what it doesn't do when people really don't understand all that it does as an organization. And it's as much, much about what you put into it as to what you get out of it. And you, you've gotten into that, that role of I volunteer and therefore I'm going to be volunteered for everything. And then all of a sudden you're on the board. Um, the one thing that you really um, seem to be involved in directly right now is that cabling and infrastructure certification exam. Is that correct? That that's a yeah. pretty big uh, passion for you. Can you talk it about is. what that, what the, um, yeah, I know it's important to have these exams and the certifications. I talked to Dennis Erskine a while back, former CEDIA chairman, who is, is also passionate about creating legitimate uh, certifications, just the, making this industry uh, a, a major player in, in the home you know, process, the building process. What is the idea behind specifically that cabling and infrastructure exam? Uh, well, first and foremost, I think it's to help raise the bar. Um, and that was part of the reason that I was super excited to get involved because when I made, when we made that transition, True Media, our company, from satellite into the CI channel, there were a lot of people and even manufacturers at first that didn't really take us necessarily as seriously as I would have hoped, like when we were trying to add on manufacturers and really try to break in because we were kind of like the cable guy, you know, kind of mm. thing or when people had the definition of like trunk slammer, like sometimes what pops into their head is, you know, the cable guy or the satellite guy or gal or whatever, and that they're just kind of whipping up TVs on the wall. And when we made our transition into the CI channel, my husband and myself, I said, you know, look, if I want to, if we want to do this, I want to do this well, and I want to do it right. And I want to do it the way that it should be. And that's what started our whole path in CDA before we really even did a lot with clients. We spent almost a year being involved in CEDIA, going to trainings, going to expo, um, doing classes and making sure that we had a good product lineup, mm. making sure that we knew what we were doing, making sure that you know we had the confidence when we were going into clients' homes um, to be able to do it. And, and it was a little bit murky because there wasn't really like a class that you could go to. I mean, we already knew a lot of stuff, right? With the cable and the wire and the infrastructure and those kind of pieces, we already knew a lot of that. Um, from our satellite time, but um, we didn't we didn't know it necessarily like in the CI channel, and there wasn't really like a route or like a pathway to be able to do that like there was um, with uh, like the C the CIT channel is now. So now the CIT channel is you can actually go through like an actual pathway, and what I love about it is I've got like a high school son, um, and then I've got a daughter in college and in university. And a lot of times they do like these exploratory classes or they do these like extracurricular activity classes where kids can kind of say, well, what do I want to do as a career? And they can kind of try them out. Mm -hmm. And I could see potential even in the CIT world, like our basic introductory classes being introduced into high schools or into trade schools as being an option for these kids to be able to go ahead and, and do that. Um, and, and learn about our industry, but it's so basic and it's introductory that it's not just for the CI channel, but it could be a precursor for getting into 
um, the satellite world. It could be a precursor for getting into the cabling world. It could be a precursor for security world because it just, it talks about cabling and it talks about infrastructure. So there's a lot of branches that it can branch off from, but it's also global. Um, we have, and for those that took the pretest and for those that took the book, some of those resources from CDS still weren't fully globalized yet. And we've had like some long discussions about that. The actual test questions in order for us to get the ANSI and the ISO accreditation is that they have to be global. Okay. The test questions very much reflect that. Like I'm super proud of the group we have involved in that. We have people from the UK, we have people from Australia, we've had people from Mexico. Um, and there were numerous hours of dialogue and discussion about what do you call this tool or what mm -hmm. tool would you use for this or what would you use for that? And it still is a little bit difficult and it's a little bit murky, like building construction, you know, yeah. pieces and things like that, because we build, you know, frame, frame building here in the United mm -hmm. States more often, um, where you deal with a lot more conduit and um, cinder block construction, maybe in other areas or, you know, plath and last, uh, plath or sorry, lath and plaster. I'm just probably saying it wrong. <laughs> um, and, you know, in other areas, but yeah that got a little bit murky and that got a little bit difficult but i think we did overall a really good job of like you know we call it an outlet and in the uk they call it a socket right so mm. we didn't want somebody if they took a test and we were talking about an outlet we didn't want someone from the uk to say well i don't know what an outlet is so we yeah. we would slash it right so it'd be an outlet slash socket yes. so that you wouldn't be penalized mm -hmm. and so i'm hoping that you know as membership takes it and as other people around the world take it that we get some you know really good feedback on that um and i think you're going to start seeing the book and the pretest and stuff reflect that more as the education department mm -hmm. um sees that but that was a huge mission of ours is to, to make it global and to make it really, really relevant, but to be a really good precursor for all these other avenues and all these other channels that you could go into in the industry. How long of a process from start to finish from the idea of getting the certification started to when you got the exam done? Can you say how long that took? I will tell you that I think um, Mike, which if you don't know him, Mike Rampura from the UK has been super involved. He and I just had a conversation the other day. He and I were looking at it and he figured, because he actually logged in all the hours of all of the certification commission, writing the test questions, things like that. And we figured roughly we had about 120 to 140 hours each just last year hmm. in that entire process of like reading, pre-taking the test, things like that. And that's everybody kind of like in the group. So there's been a lot of hours. And as you mentioned, I've volunteered a ton at Cedia, um, and I felt very blessed to do so. I, I feel like I've gotten back far more than I've ever even given. But I will tell you that this certification commission and working on these certifications, honestly, has been the most work that I've put in volunteering. Um, wow. But it's also what I'm most proud of because yeah. if we do this and if we get this really right, there's a lot of states, like in the United States, where we don't have low voltage licensing, but there's pressure, you know, to, yeah. to start having testing and having licensing. Well, if we can put this together and do this well, and we can present it to those states and say, look, we would like this certification to, you know, be counted or, you know, go towards like your introductory level licensing so that you don't have to rewrite it. Mm -hmm. One that's huge for Cedia, right? 
Yeah. And two, it, it's us leading that conversation. It's not them creating something and then us going to have to take a low voltage license and go, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe they asked us that. Like yeah. we would never do that or never know that. So yeah, that yeah. whole, um, that whole battle with frankly, the electrical unions um, over the years in different, different states. I know that Darren Raymond has just been a hero for Cedia and the government uh, affairs uh, department or whatever it's changed its name to if it's not that yeah. anymore um it's been um it's been just an ongoing thing and and to have that sort of in your back pocket would be amazing and is there um is there another is there next plan for another uh certification or is this one just so much so all-consuming that you really haven't had to turn the page yet on the next thing nope so there's actually two more um that are in the works um, so the CIT the cabling and infrastructure technician is really meant to be a under a year if you've been in the industry under a year or if you're wanting to get into it so it would be a program that we could give out to trade schools like i had mentioned mm -hmm. um or you know when you hire on a new hire and you're running a mile a minute and you don't necessarily know how to be able to train them in every single step you could have them go through the course um, and go through the online and it's really going to help that first year it, it's really introducing them to the industry and introducing them to the entire process um, but not necessarily them being the decision makers yet. The yeah. IST or the infrastructure um, technician is going to be the next level. And um, that is going to be the person that then can make the decision. So that would be like the supervisor for the CIT on a job, if that okay. makes any sense. Yeah, and does. so I look at, if you kind of put both of those two together, it's almost like getting your associate's degree mm -hmm. in, in university or in college. And so that's going to give you that really good base to then jump off of and to go into other things. Honestly, I would encourage companies, even if you're not going to be the technician out in the field, I had everyone in our office take it. Um, my office manager is not yet, but she, I, we're doing a study group. I'm going to have her go through it um, because I just think it familiarizes everybody with the basics of what our industry is. Mm -hmm. And it just gives you a really good foundation for conversations. And then we um, do have talks about starting up. We're going to do a whole revamp on the networking one, okay. the networking certification, because obviously we've known networking is, is super uber important, especially mm -hmm. now that we're all at home and we're all working from home and things like that. Um, so we want to make sure that we update that, that that's relevant um, and that that's not outdated. So anybody that is watching that is itching to want to have a say in the conversation or be part of it, uh, feel free to reach out to me. Um, Jeremy can put you in touch with me or, you know, CDA just in general, because we're putting together all of those groups right now. And there is a lot of work involved in writing the questions. So if you don't like it, like my husband will tell you, you don't get a complaint about it. You have to volunteer and try to make it better. Yeah, <laughs> so. absolutely. Well, we'll put your contact information in the show notes so that uh, folks can look that up or when we post this and in, in various different places, they can probably comment to you as well. Um, but uh, thanks for, for the info on that. Um, and, and I just, I wanted to sort of turn to the board involvement that you've got past year. Uh, you're, you and Jamie uh, Breezemeister, who I just spoke to a couple uh, pods ago, she uh, obviously is one of the new, newbies on the board the past year. What has that experience been like? What have you seen, uh, gained any insights being a part of those meetings, even though 
you haven't really had much in person <laughs> yet. I, I uh, would say it, I don't have another year to compare it to sure. previously, but I would say it's probably been the most interesting year of any board that I've ever been on because we haven't really been able to meet. We only had one face-to-face -face yeah. last January. So it's been a year since we've met face-to-face. But first, like, I'm super honored that CDM membership would take the time to vote me in. Mm -hmm. um, to me, when you get voted into a position like that by your peers, it comes with a lot of responsibility. And that's one of the things that I'm always kind of coming back to is, okay, I'm halfway through. What have I done to be able to like report back to membership? Like you've entrusted me to be your voice on the board. Uh, what have I done and how... Uh, how have I been a good steward of that that faith that you put in me to be on there? So um, I'm hoping that uh, through working with a certification commission and the stuff that I'm doing on the board, that I'll be able to come back and, and report to the board when they say, well, what, what did you do with that two years? I'll be able to kind of say, well, I feel like I accomplished these things. Yeah. Um, I think it, it's really good to be involved in the board to understand um, how CEDIA works. Um, and how the process is. It's a lot of really smart, very intelligent people um, around a table trying and taking their time, volunteering their time to try to do what's best by the organization. And, you know, it's, it's people have differing of opinions, um, people have different ideas, but we all really kind of put together our ideas and then say, okay, what's going to be best for CEDIA overall? And, um, really try to be good stewards, you know, of our time there. Um, Rob has done, you know, a really great job with like leading the board. Um, and we've got a great executive committee on there. Uh, Peter um, Aylett, um and Joe Whitaker are both um, two great friends of mine and mentors and even um, Michael Cogbill. They have just finished their time, but they did a lot of stuff, but they're moving into some really cool, exciting things. I'm so excited to see what they're going to do in 2021 with CDX. There's some fun stuff coming up. Um, but I did learn that it's a lot more about the, a lot more about the processes. One of the things I would say, if I had to say one thing that frustrates me is when you're a business owner and you're an integrator, I can make a decision tomorrow if I want to pivot my company. Right. When you have a big ship like Cedia, <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't pivot as fast. You can't mm -hmm. turn the rudder. It takes longer for it to move. And those of you that know me and are watching this, um, you know, you know me because I want it done like yesterday. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I do think that there are definitely some changes happening. I mean, there's some really good conversations going on. And, and like I said, strategy, you know, um, CD is in a good spot, like financially. I mean, not a lot of companies and not a lot of associations can say that they're in a good spot after coming out of this last year with the pandemic, you know, but Cedia is in a good spot. They're in a solid spot. And I think that says a lot to the leadership. You know, there was a lot of really good decisions that were made. Um, I'm super excited about um, a new CEO coming in. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're putting together a search committee for that. So if you're interested in getting involved in that, there's like a hundred different ways, you know, that you yeah, can get yeah. involved with CEDIA. But if you want to help and want to say, and you know, who's involved in the CEO choices, um, there's, they're putting together a search committee for that. Yeah. Um, you know, Giles and um, Corey, those of you who don't know Corey, um, he's new, you know, to us and, and um, newer to the industry, but they've been doing, you know, getting everybody together, 
kind of, you know, bringing the staff together, having conversations with them. Um, and it's weird for them too, right? Because the staff still hasn't been meeting, you know, like on a day-to-day -day basis in the office. Some teams mm -hmm. are going in. So I think it's a quirky year, yeah. um, but I think that good things are coming and I think that really exciting things are gonna happen coming up. So I'm excited about where it's going. Well, and uh, and I did, it, I did um, have a similar conversation with Jamie in terms of that being an entrepreneur, a business owner and having to then be on the board where there's just a lot more moving parts that you have to deal with uh, as a board member. And, um, but, but I think that, that you can gain that insight. And as long as you have the patience to get through it, there, there is a lot of ways that you can, you know, implement change by your participation. And obviously you're, you're knee deep in it with there with the commission and uh, neck deep, neck deep. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, and, and, and speaking of, of volunteering for things, it sounds like you got volunteered for this uh, virtual panel that I, I, I witnessed, I participated in as an audience men, member uh, earlier today. Uh, Josh AI's um, Alex Capo-Salatro, uh, Access Network's Hagai Finer, um, and Electronic Lifestyle's Dana Devance, I believe. Yeah, Dana Devance. Devance, yeah. right, who yeah. I didn't know before this um, uh, event. Um, and and uh, you were saying that, that that Alex kind of put that event together. I've been on, involved in some of his his ideas. He's a he's a great champion of of just getting people together and having conversations. You talked about smart home emerging trends. Uh, anything jump out at you from that conversation that uh, that that was kind of eye opening? Just from what uh, folks said, maybe some of their their ideas of what the big trends were for maybe next year or this coming year um, yeah. might be that type of thing. Well, I, I loved, first of all, that Alex kind of put that together and put it together like informally, mm -hmm. you know, before, I think before 2020, like, and before this whole COVID thing hit, everything felt like it had to be so formal, right? Mm -hmm. Like it would be like a formal podcast and you'd have like your backdrop exactly right. And all of this and, and 2020, we've kind of like, we're used to Zoom calls now, right? And we're used yeah. to the conversation. So it's a little bit more laid back. And I love how he allowed it to be really interactive. Um, and I think that that's where, you know, you get get all of these great ideas. Um, I loved the conversation uh, when, when Hegai mentioned about the process of him building his own house. Mm -hmm. Like it kind of made me smile and laugh a little bit because like him being a manufacturer, one of the things that he said is the whole conversation about lighting at his house yeah. and how the electricians at first were a little bit, you know, maybe upset because they felt like they were going to be cut out and the integrator and this and that. And it made me chuckle a little bit because I kind of was like, oh, welcome to the world that Dana and I deal with every single day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, we, people are used to having an electrician, right? When they build, you've got like your checklist, you've got your builder, you have your architect, you have your electrician, you have your plumber, your HVAC. Um, we aren't still yet to the point where people put integrator on that checklist. Right. And so it's interesting because sometimes we come in and sometimes it's the client, right? That has to kind of like fight for us to, you know, to mm -hmm. be in there. And they're like, no, like, listen to true media or listen to my integrator. Like they're my people and they know what I want. And sometimes it is a little bit of a battle, you know? Um, so I thought that that was kind of interesting that Hagai had to like deal with that firsthand. So sure. that made me chuckle a little. And yeah. then um, I, I was, I was also, um, I, it, it was, 
eye-opening, I guess, to hear some lighting. And you talked about lighting also and how that's becoming a really big focus for you because not everybody's on board quite yet with that, um, having come from maybe the AV side or the networking side. So I was excited about that because it's a topic that, that I like to talk about and think that it's a really big trend in our industry. Well, and I think that when they mentioned, you know, like Alex mentioned with his Josh, how he creates a scene in a room that that normally right is like breakfast nook and it's yeah. like very lively and things happen but then he has a relaxed scene and when he described his relaxed scene you notice it it encompassed all of the senses right so mm -hmm. like it encompasses things like the lighting and and how does it you know how does the lighting look and he changes the music you know the tempo of the music and maybe the sound of the music to be more relaxing and then maybe hvac and he mentioned you know maybe the fan comes on and it's you know changing the air circulation so it changes your feel and i think that to me is like the most exciting like AV is phenomenal. I love, you know, audio visual. Um, I try to learn every single day. There's some amazing audio files that we have in this industry. Mm -hmm. And I find that I'm getting much better at listening to sounds. I, I'm not as good <laughs> um, as a lot. There's a lot of really good people out there, but you know, when you're taught and when someone kind of teaches you what to listen for, like in the sounds of music or, um, you know, that becomes more important to you, uh, you know, and, and our lifetime in audio, or AV and audio are really, really great. But when you start talking about encompassing all of your senses, to me, that's, you know, Julie Jacobson was way ahead of her time on the whole, like the, the wellness and the biophilia. And I think for a while, like a lot of us AV integrators, that word maybe scared us a little bit, like wellness means we're going to talk about doctor stuff and medical right. stuff and biophilia just sounded like a crazy word. <laughs> but when you're talking about creating scenes and integrating scenes with all of your senses, yeah. that gets me super excited, you know, like mm -hmm. the lighting and the the temperature of the room and the music, the sound that's in that space. Um, we're spending so much space at time at home. We yeah. have to start creating that and thinking about that. Absolutely. I want to continue our conversation, Amanda. Um, I'm going to dive into the, this is your life portion here pretty soon. Uh, learn more about how you got into the industry beyond uh, prior to, to working uh, in the satellite business. But first I'm going to take a break for a, a short word from our sponsor. Thanks for listening to Residential Tech Talks. Today's episode is brought to you by Sony. Sony's OLED TVs and Master Series meet the strict criteria of the top engineers and makes beautiful images a reality. Their 4K HDR TVs pair the brilliance of 4K with the brightness, color, and detail of high dynamic range. See how every scene comes to life with extraordinary realism. Discover a new level of immersive cinematic audio at home. With Dolby Atmos and acoustic surface audio, you'll enjoy three-dimensional surround sound that takes your breath away. See everything new from the world of Sony USA, including electronics, the new PlayStation 5, movies, music, and TV shows. Visit www.sony.com to learn more. Welcome back. I'm talking to Amanda Wildman from True Media and Ada, Michigan. Um, Amanda, I usually don't wait this long to start sort of going into the background story as I really like to learn how folks uh, 
what they're like as a kid, you know, how they got into the industry, um, what their pathway was. We, we hit on it a little bit from the satellite story, but you're a Grand Rapids uh, kid growing up. You've you went to college there, it looks like. So um, I, I did. I've lived in my like community bubble. Um, <laughs> so if, if you know anything about my community, it's is it's crazy because it is very much a bubble um, of people kind of follow the same pathway. And what's interesting to me is I very much kind of followed in that same pathway for a very long time. And um, it wasn't until I was older, like when I really started kind of getting involved in this, where now I feel like now I'm in my niche, like the okay. path before it was really, really good. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, but now, like when I come to work, it's, it's, I'm not working. Like I love what I do. It's, it's one of those jobs where like, I have a passion about it and I'm excited yeah. about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I pretty like Midwest, like normal upbringing. I mean, awesome parents. I'm the oldest. So, um, I always joke with my siblings, everything was my fault. I had all the rules, right? And none yeah. of the rewards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they, they can thank me for the fact that they had a little bit, you know, um, probably easier of a time because I had all the rules being the firstborn. Sure. Um, but yeah, uh, well, I mean, my background. I was going to ask you, I mean, is there any hint in those early years about tech? I mean, were you interested in, in mechanical things or anything like that early well, on? I think you're everyone who knows me who watches this now who knows me now mm -hmm. and watches this is not going to believe this next thing that i'm going to tell you but i was very very much until the end of high school when i got my first job um i was very quiet i was very much a loner i was a cheerleader um but i wasn't like i didn't have a big group of friends i didn't talk to anybody which is why like nobody believes me when I say that. But if you like would read back my yearbook, you probably would see, you know, like, hey, you were good at like science. I was really a science geek. I actually okay. started as a um, pre-med major. I was a biology major um, in college. I went to Calvin College, which is now Calvin University. And um, I went to that. So I always liked science and I loved human science. And um, I wanted to be a pediatrician. Mm. And then I took organic chemistry. Oops. Forget about it. <laughs> um, that just was not my thing. And I was yeah. like, nope, I can't do this. Um, so then I thought crazy enough, I was like, well, maybe I'll go into biology and I'll be like a biology teacher. Hmm. And cause I love teaching and that's a passion of mine. But then you put me in a room of like middle school kids and I was like, oh no, I cannot do this all day Stressful. long. Like, yeah. yeah. If, if I'm, if I'm going to teach, I want to teach people that actually want to learn, yeah. you know, not that have to be there, but that want to be there. Um, and so actually I first started off, like my very first job was working at a jewelry store. Okay. And so I'm actually a certified diamondologist and gemologist. Mm. So my previous life, you would have seen me now I'm one of our technicians. So I have no nails, no jewelry on anything <laughs> right now, but my previous life, you would have seen me with like my nails done jewelry on, um, everything like that. But I, it was interesting. Cause what I really loved about that part of the job was not necessarily, I liked the sales. That was fun, but that's what kind of brought me out of my shell. Okay. I really liked designing and custom creating like rings for people. Mm. And I loved the math and science behind cutting stones, like the angles and the shapes and the things like that, that you could make. Yeah. And like, when I look back on my life, like when I was a kid, 
I would be the happiest like reading a book or if you would give me a pad of like graph paper, I would always like draw like layouts of homes and stuff. And I think no fault to my parents, but like, had I been a guy, maybe they would have encouraged me to go and be a builder or be an architect because mm -hmm. like, that's kind of the things that I did. Yeah. It just wasn't something presented to me. And now I can look back and in hindsight, I'm like, oh my gosh, like somebody totally should have like <laughs> encouraged me or pushed me in that direction. So right. although I found this later in life, um, it's like, it's like having a whole new career. Right. Yeah. Um, cause I didn't really start this until I was like 25. So you can do the math <laughs> on how old I am, but <laughs> well, well, so, so you, were you with, uh, had you been married yet when you were working in uh, the jewelry business? I was. And actually that's what allowed us to start. So um, Ponch, my husband was working in a cell phone company at a cell phone store and they were starting to do satellite dish with dish network. Um, and he was doing all of it, like the sales, the install, everything, but they weren't paying him anymore. So there wasn't like any reflection of that in pay. And I looked at him and I was like, you know, like you're essentially starting a whole nother business for these other people and building it. And like, you're not getting rewarded for your hard work. And I was fortunate enough working in the jewelry store. I was a manager of a store um, and running, you know, my own store and everything. And I said, why don't we take a year where we live off of what I make and you just try to make a go of doing your own business. Hmm. And that year turned out to be a good, you know, decent year. So we said, okay, well, let's make it another year. And so we made it another year and then it kind of got to the point where it was busier and all the time. I mean, I was helping him with like the paperwork and the books and the things like that, which I think a lot of women, I think Jamie even alluded to that when she first kind of got in, you kind of get pulled in maybe to do some of the office stuff or some yeah. of the paperwork stuff. And it was great and it was wonderful. Um, it got to a point where I had to do it kind of like full time, but then, um, you know, a few years ago, we saw kind of the writing on the wall of what was happening with streaming about, I would say maybe about seven years ago is um, when we made that transition. And we said, you know, people are cutting the cord and mm -hmm. satellite, you know, either this business is gonna go away or we have to sell it or we need to figure out what we're gonna do. And that's when we made the, the transition and the change. And we said, hey, you know, we've kind of tinkered with this a little bit. Would we wanna really take it seriously? And that's where we spent a year really doing research, getting involved in the Cedia channel. And that was awesome and rewarding. And I was still doing all the stuff in the office, but, you know, as even Jamie said, she's gone out, you know, a few times like on installs or whatever, you know, when you're down a person, you kind of get to be the gopher that goes there and hands the tools or whatever. And I realized like, I really liked being out in the field. I mm. liked doing the stuff, doing the hands-on. So now I have someone full-time in the office that takes care of most of my office stuff. I still do a little bit of it and I do our marketing, but I'm probably like 80% out in the field nice. um, now. And so I love that piece of it. Well, that gives such an insight too, because uh, not only are you really involved with Cedia, you're um, doing the work. You're not just a figurehead in a company or the face of the company or the salesperson of the company, which is great too, but you're hands-on and you're actually experiencing what all levels of this industry do. do. Um, you're talking to me how you were um, doing building racks, listening to podcasts, building a rack. So you're, you're really hands-on there. It sounds yeah. like. Yeah, I, I'm very particular about how our racks look. So <laughs> I build a lot of them. Um, and then I really enjoy like doing the programming for like all of our lighting control. 
Mm. Um, I really like kind of like tinkering with that and kind of messing with, you know, like the percentage of, you know, and the dimming and setting sure. the different timers. Like I really love doing that because that's just a lot about people's lives. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, for, for any, like, you don't see a lot of me out there. You don't see, unfortunately, a lot of women um, right. out there. Um, a lot of us kind of maybe are scared at first. And I was scared at first too. I mean, the very first time, like that I went and I did a pre-wire and like, I had to pick up like the whole hog, you know, and, and for those of you who know that and deal with that with pre-wiring, I mean, I've seen that even throw some of the guys, you know, like on a job site, like you catch a knot in the wood or whatever. So I was a little nervous and scared about it, but once you do it and once you kind of build up your confidence and if you have good people around you, like my husband's always been really encouraging mm-hmm. of me and saying, well, like you can do that. Like, I know you can. And, you know, even people in this industry, like I mentioned to you before, there have been a lot of guys like it's better now, but there were a lot of times that I was maybe the only female in the classroom. And at first it's a little bit, you know, unnerving and you get a little bit nervous about it, you know, but um, we have a really good industry. And I I think there's so much opportunity for women to get involved in it. I think at least for me, like I let a lot of my personal insecurities hold me back. I don't think anybody in the industry held me back. Um, I don't think that the industry isn't welcoming enough to women because I think that it is. I think it was more my insecurities. And once I kind of got over myself and um, realized just ask the question or just try to do the thing or, um, you know, I, I, I can't tell you how thankful I am to like, the people that have taught the classes. And even if I didn't have the confidence to ask the question in class, I'm always like the last person, right? To leave the class. Cause I always have a question for the instructor <laughs> and like Mike Maniscalco, I mean, oh, yeah. to me, like he's super brilliant, right? Mm-hmm, he's super sure. smart. And, um, you know, Jeff Meads, super smart guy, like Peter Aylett, super smart mm-hmm. guy. I would always stay after in their classes and I'd ask the questions that maybe I didn't feel comfortable asking at first. Sure. And they never looked at me like I was crazy or like that I was stupid for asking that. And I can't tell you how much I like, I want to thank any of the instructors that like took the patience or took the time because now that's what's built my confidence. Like now I'll walk into a classroom and I'm like, got a question, you know, like I'll <laughs> raise my hand right away. Um, but it, if, if they would have shot me down, I don't know that I would have had that confidence or if they wouldn't have answered it or would have kind of poo-pooed me. Yeah. Um, so our industry, I think is awesome at, at, it's more our insecurities maybe, or at least mine, I can say for myself, it was my insecurity and myself, not the industry, not wanting to welcome me. What do your clients think of you coming into uh, their home and being a woman doing all this work? It seems like, you know, I talked to Jamie and she has so many advantages. It sounds like just being able to understand what clients don't understand and, and kind of interpret for them because men typically kind of just gloss over things because they think everyone understands all the stuff that they're doing. You, do you sort of have that insight too, just from a female standpoint, or do you feel like it's just kind of um, a surprise for them that, hey, this is a woman doing the work, you know, this is different than what I expected from a technician well, in think, my own. Yeah. I mean, when, when you show up with a tool bag and you're the only one there to do the job, 
most of my clients now know who I am and they're used to, you know, I will tell them, you know, that I'm going to be the tech coming or, you know, whatever. But for a while, I mean, they would look over my shoulder to wait for the other person to come, <laughs> um, you know, which they're much better about that now. Yeah. Uh, but we just had a conversation with um, uh, Snap AV is actually doing an awesome initiative where they do like a women in technology um, conversation with all of their women in their office. And they were saying, you know, a lot of the women in the sales and the marketing, they didn't feel like they were actually a woman in tech because they felt like I was just in the sales or in the marketing or the customer service area. And, and I mentioned to them, I said, you know, it has to be all of us because when the marketing people, if it's a woman that's in there, yeah, I'm right now, I'm the face, you know, like out there for my company, or I might be the technician that installs. But if you in marketing can help me out and like the next time you do an ad, maybe the technician that shows up at the house is a female instead of a male, it normalizes it, right? And it, yeah. it makes it where people don't question or they don't look over my shoulder, you know, as much because, because they've seen it in advertising or they've seen it, you know, like in another area or, um, you know, maybe having the conversation, you know, when you're, when you're at school, whatever area or whatever part of, you know, this industry you're in, it, if you're an editor for even a magazine, if you go to pick up your kids at school and you say what you do, like it shouldn't just be, oh, but I just do the advertising part. Like, no, you're part of our tech story, right? You're yeah. all part of it, whether it's marketing, advertising, sales, customer service, whatever it is, you're all part of it. And you all tell the story and you all take ownership in it. And that's, what's going to spread the word that this is a friendly industry for women to get involved in, for minorities to get involved in, for us to have, and we need to have that whole rainbow of perspectives, you know, that that's just going to make us better all the way around. Well, you're, you're a great representative um, for the industry of what is possible. I know you don't necessarily want to want to carry that heroic badge, but I but I think uh, your story is a really cool one. And I've talked to a lot of folks and I've never really spoken to someone who, who's as um, a, a woman who's as as integrated into the company as you are. And I think that uh, there's probably a lot of folks out there, a lot of women out there who would like to to be more hands on. So um, you're the person to talk to. It sounds like. Yeah. And people can reach out, you know, like on Twitter, online. I mean, yeah, everyone's going to have, I mean, you can ask any woman in this industry. I don't care what area she's going to have a horror story. Everybody has like their oh, bad yeah. story, but there's far more good stories, you know? And if we focus on that and we focus on the opportunity, I mean, there's a lot of women out there that are, you know, in high school or, you know, whatever that are sketching or doodling or, you know, drawing houses and maybe they don't want to be an interior designer because they don't like to put together the colors and the fabrics, but when they get introduced to like lighting design, yeah, that's a really interesting thing. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, when, when they get their first opportunity to like make a system, you know, really respond to somebody. I mean, that's, it's fun, mm -hmm. you know, I, I enjoy it and I enjoy seeing how people respond to something that I've created. And so if you're a creative person, sometimes being out in the field is a huge creative outlet and opportunity. So Absolutely. don't write it off. It's a Absolutely. huge opportunity for sure. Well, Amanda Wildman, thank you so much for taking the time to tell us your story and chat with me today. Thank you so very much for the opportunity, Jeremy. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a great 2021. And um, I will um, 
definitely keep tabs on on all the developments um, from from Cedia, and uh, we'll stay in touch. Perfect. Thank you guys so much for checking in and and joining us. Yeah, and thanks to everybody for joining us. Be sure to comment, share, or subscribe to the podcast. You can check out all the latest residential tech news at restechtoday.com. Until next time, please stay safe, stay inspired, and let us know if you have a great story to tell.